The Overcome and Conquer show is presented by The Project. The Project is a full immersion, 75-hour experience designed for men who know in their core they are not living up to their fullest potential. Rather than waking up every morning ready to dominate life, the mediocre man rolls out of bed and slides into the same unfulfilling routine they've unhappily been in for way too long. The project is for men that have lost their internal flame and motivation to conquer. It's for men living an unfulfilling life that lacks excitement and purpose. Sound familiar? Then listen up. The project is specifically designed to challenge you mentally and physically. We push you to the ledge of self-limiting beliefs and prove you've got much more in the tank. We kill the bitch and unleash the beast. We uncover the demons that hold you back and turn extreme pain into superpowers to dominate life. In the end, we turn mediocre men into modern-day knights. We forge a brotherhood and bond that levels you up as a better husband, father, and friend. But the project is not for every man. In fact, it's not for most. For men who are okay with being in a rut and achieving less than their fullest potential, the project isn't for you. If you're not willing to put in the work to fix what isn't working, the project isn't for you. However, if you're done white-knuckling it through life, living one day at a time with no sense of purpose, and are willing to do what it takes to improve, the project holds the key to unlocking the next chapter. Graduates of the project join a brotherhood of modern-day knights and become the authors of their destiny. They have their fire reignited and reclaim dominance over their family, fitness, finances, and faith. If this resonates with you and you want to learn more, we encourage you to apply today at www.mdkproject.com forward slash OC show. Everybody wants to be on top of the hill. The problem nowadays is people want to get dropped off at the top of the hill and look down. It's that I overcome mindset that makes all the difference. See, the way we're taught is you're going to claw, you're going to scratch, you're going to bite, you're going to dig, you're going to do whatever it takes to get to the top of that mountain. That unequivocally is how I have managed to keep myself moving forward and finding success. Two seals, one mission. The Overcome and Conquer Show. And welcome back to the Overcoming Conquer Show. We are running high. We are running fast. We're pushing. We're we're picking up heavy things and putting them down. Ray, uh, bail me out here. I need your help, man. You came out hot. And you just fucking crashed. I don't know what I happened. Did. It was you ugly, know? man. It was ugly. You know That's what happened good. in the pre-show? We were talking about uh, Tiger King, right? Yeah. And dude, all that was swirling around in my mind as I was trying to do a big intro. It just brought me to a grinding halt. I'm, I'm, I'm like thinking tiger's blood. Yeah. Are you thinking it's harder to get toilet paper or tiger's blood right now? Go. Dude, it's definitely harder to get toilet paper. I mean, it's amazing. Probably really hard. Dude, I still, I still, hey, we still have not gotten any since it started. So. Uh, dude, I, I'm so selfish. Like I buy, I buy like for five years when I go, whenever I've done that, like I'm going to, I'm waiting it out. I'm going to start selling shit for like, you know, a hundred dollars a roll, just like an actual, maybe a sheet. Just oh, a sheet. and, and dude, you should sign it. It's just sign, oh. you know, it's toilet signed by Ray Cascare. Think how much people would pay for that. Mm. Just think if I signed it with your name. So when they wipe their ass, they're wiping it with your name. I could change that. I see what you're doing. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Oh my God. So anyways, it has been crazy times, but obviously we're, we're, Hey, we're going to overcome. That's what happens. We will conquer this as Thank always. You. 
Yeah, you're welcome. I'm here. <laughs> Producer Ryan is going to squash the uh, the virus because that's what he does. So if you didn't know that, Ryan, I'm just letting you know. Yeah. So yeah. Our, our producer, our producer is the the cure. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah. But hey, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to the Overcome and Conquer show, you will be cured. Yeah. It, we are the cure. So anyway, so uh, dude, we're out there. We're still doing stuff. Ray, you've been doing quite a bit of uh, coaching, right? Yeah, I'm doing my online coaching. You know, I'm people are, you know, buying what I'm laying down, you know, trying to help people with the seven points of performance, conquering fear, conquering adversity. Um, my, my acronym for team, the three L's of leadership, you name it, man. It's, it's out there and people are, are drinking it up. I'm, own it to them and they're, they're, they're sucking it up, man. So it's good. How about you? What are you doing? I I'm heard doing you like, same. heard you wrote a book or something. I don't know. And I don't know. <laughs> that's going well. I'm doing the same. Well, you know, I mean, that's out there, man. It's just more of trying to teach people the same as you, man. Just trying to coach. I uh, got the Overcome Army group coaching program. We've been getting into the virtual. Uh, dude, you're a stud. Thank you. Thank you for your shameless plug. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we've been doing the online webinars. I've been speaking to a lot of companies, man. A lot of companies are struggling with their people out yeah. there who are working from home. They're struggling to put, build that structure on how to get through the day with all the distractions, how to maintain that positive mindset. So that's what I'm doing. And, uh, speaking of positive mindset, mm. Mm. man, our guest that we have today is the epitome of that. I got to <laughs> tell you, man, I, I will say right off the bat. Uh, if he was Navy, uh, or maybe even a Marine, which would be department of the Navy, he probably mm. would be held at a higher level, but he is an army guy. Um, I, hang on. I got, I just gotta, I gotta stop to think. I know. It. I know. Go. How, how did, how did the army do last game against the Navy? How'd they do? Just, I know mm. he can't, he can't say anything right now, but mm. I don't know. Not so good. <laughs> He's got to be quiet. He's sitting here. He's ready to let me have it, but that's okay. Yeah, guys. No, I, I want to jump right in. We want yeah. to get into this show yeah. because uh, this guy, I know that many of you have seen him out there. He's been featured on Fox News. He's been featured on so many of the morning news networks. Mm -hmm. He is an absolutely amazing example of fortitude and resilience. He is hysterical, man. Uh, I love his sense of humor. I've watched several of his online speeches, but he has been through things that most people could never even comprehend. But he is a retired U.S. Army sergeant. He was a part of the 82nd Airborne. Airborne. Mm -hmm. And now he is out there. Uh, he suffered a severe injury on April 10, 2012. And on that day, it forever changed his life, losing his arms and legs. But he has never let it stop, stop him. I actually met him in the hospital at Walter Reed and, uh, and even from that, right at the very beginning, it, it hadn't been that long. I think it was a year after his injuries. And even then he was positive. He was focused. He told me then I'm going to get out and be a motivational speaker. That is exactly what he is doing now. He is getting out there. He is setting the example. He is an actor. He is an author. He is an advocate for veterans and amputees. He has the New York Times bestselling book, Tough As They Come. He also has uh, his the Travis Mills Foundation, and he has an amazing documentary about himself, mm -hmm. about him and his story called Travis, A Soldier's Story. It is my great honor to introduce 
Mr. Travis Mills to the Overcoming Conquer show. Welcome to the show, Travis. We're glad to have you on, even though you are Army. Well, uh, all that nice stuff, then you end it with that. Well, let me yeah, tell you, you like that? Thanks, <laughs> thanks for having me on. And I'm going to ask you a question about the Army-Navy stuff. I want to ask both of you fine gentlemen, mm. how is it that the Army follows standards and they have everybody in the regulations and somehow your linemen are 300 pounds? That doesn't seem right to me because there's weight limits and restrictions in the military, but somehow the Navy guys are just running amok when it comes to standards. And I don't really care for it because that's why you guys killed us that time. I, I can't, can, I can't argue with that. We have been running amok for years. <laughs> well, I can, I can, I can articulate the reason for that. Just so you know, there are height and requirements and weight requirements. You agree, right, Travis, when you join? I know military? this. So yes. I'm five foot seven, 205 pounds. And yet I could still crush the PT. And as a Navy SEAL, I was a little lighter, but I was still 25 pounds over but they let it, let it happen because my PT scores were so much. So I think the problem that you're having is, is the reason why the linemen are 300 pounds and the armies aren't is because even at 300 pounds, our guys are in such great shape, they can pass the PT test, and I don't think army guys can. Oh, that's, that's cute. That's See how cute. I did? Yeah, okay. I just, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, highs and lows. Thank you very much. Can you pick me up off the ground? Or my, you know, my <laughs> arms and legs aren't here to help me with that anymore. Damn, but, uh, <laughs> Damn Ray, no. you're such an asshole. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, if you can grab my self-esteem, it's all the way down there. I just can't really get it. But oh. anyway, no, no I'm, I'm just kidding. No, I'm excited to be here. And I thank you so much. And uh, I'll tell you what, what an introduction for the producer. Wow, just a great job over there. You killed it. You killed it today with your kittens and I'm not sure what you said now, but that was it was a fun. Carol quote. Yes. Yes, it was. I freaking she's she's the root of all evil, you know. And I'm not so sure Jeff Lowe's not, but these other two We were we were talking about it. we were talking about that at the beginning. You firmly believe that she is the cause of you losing your limbs. She's gotta be the Taliban. I mean I, how she not be. I believe yeah. that she also orchestrated that ambush that I was in in Iraq. Hundred percent. Hundred yeah. percent. She put the call in, you know, and it and it happened. So, you know, let's not I, go on the past though. Let's just keep pushing forward and have a great time. And like I said, thanks so much for having me on the show today. I, I hang on. I don't want to get too far past this, and I don't want to start a conspiracy theory. But uh, I think she created the coronavirus too. Yeah, she I gave me the shingles. Now, yep. <laughs> I have to say, we are totally joking here. Please don't take us to court. We're just joking. Because she's, she, you know, she's taking people over to court over things that have been said about her. So, yeah, we, I'll put well, that disclaimer I mean, out there. If she wants to take us to court that we that we're saying she's behind the Taliban, Al Qaeda, and coronavirus, feel free. Well, <laughs> yeah, there you gotta no, watch whatever. the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Travis is like right. he's right. You gotta watch the show. I mean, she so. totally would. Yeah. All right, well let's let's jump into the show. Tiger King aside. Seems to be the basis of so much going on. We want to get into, I got to tell you guys, if you've never met uh, Travis, if you've never watched his story, you haven't read his book, you need to get out there and get it. And I tell you what, we, we asked him what defined him. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I tell you what, he gave a word. It, it encapsulates everything the Overcoming Conquer show is about because when you're hit with adversity, you know, you got to have, you got to have this trait. So, Captain Care. Yes, sir. Would you like to do the honors with the word of the day? <laughs> yeah. So how it works, uh, Trav, is we're going to say the word of the day. Obviously, I pulled up the dictionary mm -hmm. version. And then you tell us why you picked the word and what it means to you. So the word that you picked, sir, 
was stubborn. And I actually think this is probably the best word we've had thus far. So reading it right off the dictionary uh, version, it's having or showing dogged determination not to change one's attitude or position on something. I love it. So what does that mean to you and how does that relate to you and your story? Well, I mean, it relates in a lot of ways. Um, when I was injured, I used to sit there and, you know, ask why this happened and hope, wish and pray it didn't and close my eyes. And then I realized it's never going to change. So why dwell on it? And, you know, people told me I wasn't going to be able to leave the hospital as fast as I wanted. I wasn't going to do things that I wanted. And I'm just so stubborn. I was like, nope, we're going to get after it. So, you know, within five weeks, I had an arm again that I was working with. I had um, my legs walking on short legs in seven weeks. Um, and I think stubbornness and stubborn pride really was a big factor of, you know, how I was able to progress in my, my life and my injury and be where I am today, where I can drive, feed myself. Uh, I'm married still. My wife didn't leave me. Um, and I told her she should, she wanted that handicapped parking. So she stayed. And so, so, so selfish of her. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> my following's big enough now where if she wanted to leave, I, I told her I would just put it on Facebook and all the social media and it would ruin her. So she stays obligated. <laughs> but uh, well, play, well played. Blackmail yeah, is always. Yeah. Love it. Well, it's just, it's just a little nudge. But um, <laughs> so, so my daughter was six months old and I was injured. And my son now is two and a half years old. My daughter's uh, going on nine years old. But you know, I realized that I was going to be her father, no matter what position I was in, whether it was with arms and legs or without. And I had to be stubborn about my recovery because I wasn't just doing it for myself. It wasn't about Travis Mills anymore. It was about the quality of life that I could give to my family, my wife and my daughter at the time, and now my, my wife and two children. You know, I love your definition and what it means and what it stands because when, think about it, when society usually hears the word stubborn, you th- I think of some, I think of like, a, no offense, I think of a jackass, I think of someone who's like yeah. not willing to change. It's always in a negative perception. But when you say it, like that's when you said that, I, literally like a light came on. It's rare that the light comes on in this brain. Um, I literally went, holy fuck, that's amazing because obviously I know your story. And I think, you know, more people need to be stubborn. So it, it, when I told you it was one of the best words I've heard, it's because it resonated with me so much. Um, because, you know, I know you're doing so much for the vets, you know, my, my message to the vets is, is guys be more stubborn, you know, stay the path, stay the course. So I love it, brother. I love it. Yeah. I appreciate that. I just, for me, it was more, I didn't want to change who I was. People will tell me when they see me after my injury, like, Oh my gosh, you're the same person that you were before. I'm like, yeah, I haven't changed. I mean, I've lost my limbs, but I'm the same person. And, um, I think it just took, a little bit of stubborn pride is what I tell people that that pushed me through because I wasn't going to let this affect my life negatively. And, you know, I also, people always say, Hey, you're that wounded guy. You're that, you know, I'm like, ah, I, I use the term recalibrated. Um, because I think Love wounded it. has negative connotations. Like, you know, I was wounded, right. I had been injured, but now I'm healed up. I have scars. So I'm recalibrated. I have a new normal. And the first time that someone will meet me they're they're pitting their eyes. They can't, not have it and i get it right it's human of us and they're like oh you poor thing i'm like look i'm fine i i do everything i want to do i had one bad day at work case of the mondays and um now i'm pushing forward in life and i live in a nation that takes care of me the greatest nation ever where i i actually am a owner and part owner in four different businesses and i run a very successful nonprofit. so it's it's going well for us you know and i have nothing to complain about because there's nothing that was in front of me except for time and opportunity and I've uh, seized on both to the best of my ability, and, and I'm going to keep pushing forward 
and being stubborn so I can, you know, have what I want in life still after my injury. I love it. So let's, let's rewind. Uh, let's, let's, let's go back. So your word is stubborn. You know, what I want to know, what people want to know is, is before all this happened, you know, growing up, who is and what made, you know, this made you the stubborn person that you are? Have you always had that mindset before this happened as a child? Like, take us back and bring us to where, to this point right now, if you can. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, really big into sports, um, football, basketball, baseball, powerlifting, and some track and stuff like that. So, you know, no matter what the situation, you always thought you could win. And I was um, always put in a leadership role, so captain of all the teams or whatever, and very, very happy about that. But um, I think that's just something, you're, you know, you're probably born with, but also put into you. Like my dad and my mom were very driven. They still are. They're very driven people. They want the best for you. They want you to succeed, but you have to be willing to put the work in. And um, look, you guys probably didn't know this without uh, me telling you by looking at me, but 1993 karate state champion in Michigan, right here. And the first time I ever went to a karate match, I fought a girl. And when I was fighting this girl, sparring with her, I wouldn't hit her. And the girl won, right? She was hitting me and I was trying to block it, but then I didn't hit her. And then I, you know, I lost my mom's like, well, Travis, why didn't you, why don't you fight back? I'm like, well, she's a girl. You can't hit her. And my mom's like, well, okay, that's, that's good. But next time, if you're in that, like, you know, in a sparring match, you can't actually hit a girl. You should have saw the next girl I got. I mean, I just, Beat I clobbered <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, nice. I didn't feel bad, you know, but then, then, uh, but no, I just, I, I think it's always been ingrained into me. Um, you know, if, if you want it hard, I you know, want it bad enough, you work hard enough, you can achieve it. And for me in my life after injury, I just wanted normalcy again. I wanted to have the ability to um, go to work every day or do something productive. I mean, a lot of guys in my situation, they, they kind of fold it in, right? They take their disability or their, their pension and just kind of, okay, cool, and play video games and sit in my house all day. Whereas I'm like, this quarantine stuff's just not for me, right? I've been on the no. phone with three other, like three different hours of this day already with different businesses and whatnot. And I'm like going insane. So I just, I love my family, but also I got to be out doing something. And I think that's part of being stubborn. You know, I, I, uh, I'm fortunate and I'm just going to keep pushing forward. Travis, what led you into, so you talked about being a big athlete and, uh, obviously growing up up there in Michigan, what led you into the army? I mean, what brought you down that path? You know, it's, it's surprising when I was in high school and I played football and baseball and basketball and I was the captain of the team and, and I like never sat and understood like what it was like to be on the bench. But I also didn't really try hard to school. Like I passed, I wasn't like a top half of the class, you know, I'm, I'm the bottom half of the class that made the top half look good and give them that. But, uh, in truth, <laughs> you're I a giver. To, you yeah, did that on I, purpose, right? Yeah. I, I, what, yeah. what a good guy, right? No, I was like a BC student, right? I'm not gonna sit there and say I got A's. I got A's in weightlifting. Um, like you couldn't tell, but, uh, so, <laughs> so then I went to college and then I realized like I'm $10,000 in debt. I'm playing college football, which is great, <laughs> but, I don't like school at all. I, I don't go like the classes. I don't focus on it. I'm not going to waste my money on this. And I just was like, we got to try something different. So I went back to my hometown and tried going to college there. And I just realized like, now I need some adventure. And I went to talk to all the recruiters and I narrowed it down between the army and the Marines. Right. And cause the Navy had kind of a negative stigma about them in 2006. You know, um, I didn't know what the Navy SEALs, you guys weren't as famous as you guys are now. It was, but, the bell, uh, it was the bell bottoms and the Dixie hat, wasn't it? Boom. 
I I'm, still not got saying, it. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying it had negative stigma. Um, I went to the Air Force's office like three times, three days in a row, different times. And nobody was ever there because, you know, they don't do anything. But um, it's the Air Force. Yeah. He was, exactly. was on the golf course. So I went to the, the Marines and I stood, I stood in that office and it's like this six foot four just behemoth stands up, bald headed, barrel chested, right? He's like, you want to be a Marine? And I'm like, dude's intense. And I'm like, I, I don't know, maybe. And he's like, I'll put you in a career field. And I know what that meant, but it sounded cool. I was like, that's awesome. Which really just meant if you pick a job, you're probably not going to get that job. You're going to get put where they put you. Mm-hmm. Well, then I went to uh, the Army and they offered me $24,000 signing bonus. And I was like, that don't sound too bad. And I said, hold that thought, though, because I'm no dummy. Obviously, you guys can tell by looking at me. Except for like, I walk into bombs. But anyway, whatever. Let's get behind that point. I uh, <laughs> That was that later. Morning. That was later. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. I didn't, yeah, if I could read, I would have saw a sign said bomb right here. <laughs> Jeez. But um, I went back to the Marines office and asked about the signing bonus and he stood up again. He's like, you know, honor, do you respect or something? And I'm like, that sounds great. I'm talking cash money. And he's like, there's no money here. And I was like, what idiot would join that branch of service? You know, and then <laughs> there's just so, so many. So it came, it came down yeah. to the cold, hard cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I. my dad was in the Army. Um, they showed me airborne infantry video. Uh, the Marines were cool and all, but I wanted to be airborne, so I went after it. And um, the, the money did help pay my college loans off, so that wasn't bad. Nice, nice. So, obviously, you went in, you joined, you came a part of the 82nd Airborne. Uh, right there out, known of, uh, out of Fayetteville. I, you know, I have a uh, – so, I used to live in Lumberton, if you know where that is. It's oh, south yeah. Of Fayetteville. yeah. 30 yeah. miles. Yep. So, my dad actually worked on Bragg. My sister worked on Bragg at Pope Air Force Base, so I know that base very well. So, so how many, uh, how many deployment, when did you come into the army? So I went into the army in 2006 in March, and then I made it to Fort Bragg in August after basic training, airborne school. And then I deployed by January of 07 for my first time. We went 15 uh, months that time. Did you go to Afghanistan then or Iraq? Okay. All three times I went was Afghanistan. So I went to Afghanistan as a, as a private, me too. And because I was infantry, I was on a personal security attachment team for a colonel, like a PSD team, which is like the awesomest job ever. Because like I'm an E2, I should be getting treated like like shit, but I'm not. And they're like, well, you're infantry, so you get to have your own truck. Like I was a truck commander at 19. I'm like, I don't know anything more than anybody else. But the rest of the people that were on the team were like cooks and, you know, smorgasbord of different MOSs. They're like, well, you're infantry. I'm like, that means four more weeks of training. That's all that means. But okay. Yeah. And, uh, and I worked, you know, we went on patrols and we had a great time. Uh, coming back every night I worked out like three hours a night had hot food most of the time for like dinner but it was a good experience and then while I was over there I had a medic named Josh Buck and he's from Texas we knew everything about each other great guy and he went home to watch his daughter be born in September of 07 and while he was at home he was showing his family like pictures of the team he was on and da 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 and my picture was one of them and I was on supplements I found in Germany Western Union style and <laughs> like I was six foot three, two seventy five, like twenty two inch biceps. Like, what's up? I got a small penis. And uh, <laughs> can I say that? I yeah, mean, yeah absolutely. Say anything absolutely. you want. You can say that. Say anything and, you want. I mean, yeah, so, I, 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 you know, I, I'm five eight, one seventy. I got a small penis, so it's all good, man. Yeah, there we go. There we go. But uh, so, so, anyways, um, he went home and he showed everybody his pictures and. Well, he was showing him off his little sister who was 18 in the college thought I looked good. And I never knew when he had a sister. He didn't tell me about her. 
She just mm. had a MySpace friend request, right? This wow. is MySpace days. Holy so smokes. Hit, yeah. we're, we're talking old school. Oh, yeah. So I hit accept, right? That's what you do to antagonize people. And we started chit-chatting. It turns out we really enjoyed each other's company. We decided we should hang out sometime. So here she is, 18 in college in Dallas. I'm 20 in Afghanistan. Never met her before. I'm coming home from my 18 days of R&R in December. And I'm like, you know what we should do? We should go on a vacation. So we went to Cozumel, Mexico. I flew in and picked her up. Her parents were not pleased. Right. Uh -huh. Like I never met her before. We flew to Cozumel, Mexico for a week, back to Michigan for a week. I went back overseas and I came back and we got married shortly after. And um, my medic was pissed. Like he won. He's like, if you, if you get hit, I'm not going to save you. I'm like, well, that's not nice, but I understand it. And uh, yeah, so I, I met my wife through my medic on my first appointment. And the first time we, our first date was a week long vacation to Cozumel, Mexico. Mm. Believe it or not. That's what that's what most people do. Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, when I when I check it, yeah, that's, that's usually what happens. My then, first, um, yeah, mine didn't go like that. I was just staring at my wife for thirty minutes until she finally talked to Dave Broderick. I like your that was that that was that hot hot tuna, right? Yes, it was. Yes, oh. yes, the old stomping grounds. Oh, so I love it. Hot, hot tuna was a bar here. It was a bar in uh, Virginia Beach. Anyways, yeah. I'm going to actually work there. I'm just going to leave that alone. I Did sold really? more jello. The women, what the the women waitresses would always sell jello shooters. And I was like, let me sell some. And I ended up getting in it and selling. I outsold them every single night. Dude, so yeah, I was 19. Did you wear the same outfit they did? No, uh-uh. But I carried the bus pan with one hand above. Man, women would be grabbing me. It was crazy. Nice. Wait a second. Was this, was this by a Navy base? It's cool. Yes. Well, it's kind of close. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's Not in between. It's, it's in between. Yeah, it's in between. Oh, I get what he's doing. Look <laughs> <laughs> a minute. Well played. Well played. <laughs> so, so Travis... Let's jump forward, okay? You're you're in the military. You've met this amazing woman. Shit's going great. Tell us about April 10th, 2012. And then yeah, yeah. So, tell um, us how that went down. Well, if, if, I, if I could, so I did another year on deployment, came back, bought a house, had a kid, and I had orders sent me to Port Hood, Texas, and my unit was going back to Afghanistan. And this is in 2011, 2012, and I was like, it's not fair to my guys, you know, that... I don't go overseas with them. So my wife understood the calling, um, to be honest, tax-free money didn't sound so bad with a newborn for nine months. And I was a weapon squad leader. So it was a great position to do overseas. And my whole goal was to go overseas for one more deployment, come back, become uh, re um, a recruitment, like uh, go into to the recruiting sector and then like finish my degree and become an officer. Mm -hmm. But um, my wife, okay, the, the deployment, my sergeant major canceled my orders. I left for um, Afghanistan, uh, February of 2012. And like the first day in country was a huge firefight. And the second day was huge, like very hot zone. And we got a phone call from the village elder. Like, you know, he would call us up and he would ask us to do things or like say, Hey, we need help here. Netflix and, and yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And, um, we went out April 10th, like normal. And we swept the ground. Every time we went on patrol, we had a guy that had a minesweeper that would sweep the ground and see if the, the ground was disturbed, right? Had GPR or ground ground penetrate jeep yeah radiation or something and he swept the ground not once but twice so marked it all safe and clear we came to a short halt and i took my backpack off and it was really simple 120 pound backpack i took it off my back and sat on the ground and when it hit the ground it landed on top of a bomb and the bomb took my right arm right leg off automatically it threw me to the left side of my face and when i rolled over my left eye started to swell shut and i could but i could still see out of it my right eye obviously i could see out of and when the dust and the smoke and the the everything cleared my left leg was dangling 
like I was snapped to the bone, muscle and tendon holding it. So if you can imagine um, your left ankle bone touching your left thigh, that was going on for me. And I had my wrist blown out really bad on my left arm, but I still had use of my thumb and the next middle finger at the time. So I hit the ground, roll over, see everything that happens. My medic, Dan, runs up to work on me. And I tell him, hey, man, you're not going to save me. Don't worry about it. Because in my head, I've seen guys die for a lot less injury, right? Like I thought, no one was going to make it. Don't waste your time. I got guys injured. He ignores me, puts tourniquets on my right side. My platoon sergeant puts tourniquets on my left side. And within 20 seconds, they have tourniquets on all four limbs, right? Really fast, fast acting. And while they're working on me, in my head, I keep seeing the movie Saving Private Ryan. And I keep thinking about when the medic gets shot in the stomach, right? He cries out for his mom. He begs not to die. And ultimately he dies. And I thought, I'm never going to let my guys see that out of me. I'm, not that I was crazy or like careless with my life, but I was always like first in a firefight. I never showed fear, always exude confidence. That's what you do as a leader, right? I mean, you guys obviously know that. Um, so I wasn't going to let them see any fear in me now because if this is our last memory of me, it was going to be calm, cool, and collected. And I told my medics, hey, guys, whatever happens, it's fine. But while Dan's working on me, I radio my LT. I still have my left hand. So I reached with my trucker mic and I called my LT. I said, hey, six, this is four. I got guys injured over here. Can you come um, or bring your medic over and let him work on, you know, Ryan and Brandon? And he did. Voice came over, worked on him, then worked on me. And I kept reassuring them, like, hey, guys, whatever happens, happens. Like, you're not going to change it, you know? And then they loaded me on a helicopter. They got me into the hospital. And as they're pushing me through the hallway, I kept trying to sit up. And I kept telling nurses, quit touching me. I'm fine. Leave me alone. I got to get back to my guys. And finally, the one nurse was like, look, Sergeant Mills, I don't know how you're still awake or now, but you need to go to sleep. And they knocked me out. And I looked at that nurse. And the last thing I asked her was like, my little girl, am I ever going to see her again? Because my daughter was six months old. And um, I faded out. Nine doctors and seven nurses went to work on me. And two nurses for nine hours pumped air out of my lungs. But the first thing they did was they took my, leg, my pants off, right? And when they did all that, my left leg basically came off with it. So it was a triple amputee, 14 hours of surgery, 400 units of blood, which is most blood ever given in Afghanistan at that point. I don't know if it's still the case. I hope it is. Not because I want to hold the record, but that means no one got injured yeah. um, to the extent of that. Yeah. And I'm a winner, so I want to hold the record. I, I was going to say, bragging yeah. rights. There's nothing wrong with bragging <laughs> yeah. rights, bro. So we're just going to declare on the Overcome yeah. and Conquer show that you yeah. are the winner of the most units of blood ever given in Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, until someone tells me different, that is true. My yeah. blood type actually changed. I went from A positive to like universal. They had to do like a mass call call out to like have people rush and donate blood. So yeah. like I had a bunch of tests after. Do you speak fact. Russian now? Uh, no, no, <laughs> I don't. But uh, I'm close, close. Yeah. I can say no cervezas for war. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> nice, dude. Um, that's great Russian. Yeah, and then don't dance los baños. Yeah, sure. tequila, tequila. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But no, that's, that's, that's how April 10th went for me. Uh, how, when did, uh, so you, so right off the bat, so when, what's your first memory after the injury? Um, when, when you, when you came to and you were aware of where you were at one, that you were still alive and, and two, how quickly before you realized that you were a triple amputee and then what was that process before they had to take your other leg? Hold that thought. Yeah, sorry. Don't worry about it. You're Producer good. Ryan, you know, what, dude? No one heard. <laughs> no one heard. All right. So if, uh, do you want me to ask that again? Uh, yeah, if you would like. So, Travis, what were your, 
So Travis, what were your first thoughts when you, you know, when you came to and you actually were aware of your surroundings and A, you realized you were still alive, so you're going to be able to go see your daughter, but B, when you realized, man, I'm a triple amputee, and then when did they have to take your, your, uh, your other leg? Well, um, okay, so at, at that point, they, they had to take my, uh, my other arm on two days later, but when I, was, when I was injured, I'm not trying to correct you, I'm sorry. No, um, sorry. But when I, was, when I was injured, they medically sedated me on the operating table or whatever to put me to sleep before they worked on me, and they kept me sedated for four days. So it, I, um, when you guys go overseas, do you guys, as the Navy SEALs, do you guys felt like a blue book in the Army? That's what we call it, where you basically plan your funeral. Yeah. And yeah. So you got playing your funeral music buried with type of funeral, whatever. And the last thing to ask you in the, um, in ours is like who escorts your body home. So my brother-in-law, Josh, who I'm great friends with was that person. So they flew him into Bagram. I mean, in Kandahar and then they kept me medically sedated and then they flew me to Bagram April 12th. And he flew with me to so sure if I was going to make it or not. And my skin had died around my hand. So they cut it off before I even knew I still had it after the first initial surgeries. Two days after that, they flew me to Launchville, Germany, and Josh was with me as well. And when I got to Germany on April 14th, they woke me up for the very first time. Um, and when I finally came to, the only person in my room was actually my brother-in-law. And when I saw him, I said, my soldiers, how are my soldiers? First thing I asked him. And he told me, you know, Ryan's here, Brandon's here. He took most of the blast. They're going to heal up. They got some dings, but they'll be okay. And then I finally, after that, said, okay, am I paralyzed? And he said, no. And I looked at him and said, Josh, you don't got to lie to me, man. You can tell me the truth. Right. Like I can't put my fingers and toes. And he goes, look, you're not paralyzed, Travis. You don't have them anymore. And I was like, oh, OK. And I didn't talk to anybody for like three hours. So the doctors would come in, the nurses come in, Josh would ask questions. And I'd look in the other direction because I wasn't ready to have that conversation. Right. In my head, I have my own questions. Am I a bad person? Like what I do wrong in life? How can I be a husband and a father? Like, does God hate me? Is this a punishment for something? And the last thing I was asking is like, why didn't I just die? Like, how is this better for anybody? Right. I mean, let alone me and, and having arms and legs now. So I'm a 25-year-old baby that has to ask for people to put food in my mouth, to change me, to, you know, dress me. Like, how is this going to be better? And that was like a hard, hard thing to, to come to grips with. And he finally shined me on my brother-in-law after three hours. He was like, look, man, you got to call your wife and your parents. There's, you know, so I, I agreed. My wife, when I called her for the first time, I just said, hey, what's up? I'm fine. Love you. Bye. Like, that's it. I didn't want to have a conversation with her. And my parents, about the same thing, right? Um, but my mom yelled, Hey, happy birthday. Cause it was actually my 25th birthday that day that I woke up for the very first time. So, and then three days after that, they flew me home to Walter Reed and my wife saw me for the very first time. And they made her sign a clipboard. My right leg had ripped open. So my suture split open. They had to cut two inches off my right leg, um, or I was going to bleed out and die. So she signed a clipboard that did that and the next day on the 18th. Um, she came in, I told her she should leave. Like I have nothing left to offer. She can have the house, the cars, any money saved up. And she's like, that's not how this works. You know, we'll get through this together. And, um, you know, so she stayed and then we decided to get through this together. And it, it, it was 19 months at Walter Reed of recovery, but you know, it was, it was some of the, it was the worst time of my life, but at the best place possible to be at. Wow. Man, that's, in it. you know, for anybody out there that's ever gone through some level of adversity, I mean, I can't imagine that. Pro I mean, I know just my process, and I didn't have injuries even close to what you had um, going through that thought process of the permanence of our injuries. Uh, you know, for me, it was facial disfigurement. 
you know, which, you know, really in the grand scope of things is nothing compared to obviously lo- losing multiple limbs. But I can't, uh, I can't imagine one of the big things you've talked about it all the way through how your wife and your family have been such an instrumental part. I know mine has been also. Um, th- th- talk to me just a little bit about that. You know, you're, you're obviously your wife is a rock star. I mean, she didn't stay with you. I guarantee when you told her to get lost, she didn't say, look, remember Cozumel, that's why I'm still here. You know, there's a lot more to that. And she's been by your side. I mean, wh- how, you know, the power, because you and I both know there's so many uh, individuals that have been severely injured that, that it breaks relationships. I see it all the time. Oh, yeah. How yeah. did you guys stay strong all the way through? Well, you know, we were very fortunate with great support from our family as well. Like Walter Reed is a phenomenal facility. Um, they had everything I was going to need to live there, be able to, re, you know, walk again and feed myself and drive again. But the Fisher House is a big part of the success of that place. So, like, they put you up in a room for free so your family can come in. So my parents were there. My in-laws were there. They swapped out to help Kelsey and I out. So we, had, we did have a six-month-old. And eventually, after I got out of the hospital and got on my way a little bit, the life had to return to normal. So my mom and dad went back home. And my father-in-law, who I, look, he didn't, I mean, we got along, but we talked like, you know, twice a year in person for four years that Kelsey and I were married before I was injured. And then he offered to retire from his job early, move into the hospital with Kelsey and I and help take care of Chloe and, and me. And we became like the closest friends. We, we worked together. Every, he was just here setting my phone up. He's my neighbor in Maine here, and we're like best friends. But, you know, a lot of it's attributed to him and all he's done as well to help and put his life on hold to come help his daughter out. And then ultimately, you know, it helped me out too, but he did it for Kelsey. And then we and him became very close. So, you know, it's a whole family thing. But my wife, I told her she should leave me. She just was like, that's not how this works. And um, I've never been stern with my mom, right? I want everybody to know, like, I never swore at my mom. I've never yelled at my mom out of anger. You don't do that. Um, where I'm from, I think where anybody's from, but especially where I'm from. Uh, but I was stern one time with my mom. I woke up one day about probably five, six weeks in, or about three, four weeks in my recovery. And I said, Hey, where's Chloe at? And what time is she coming? My mom said, well, she's already come, but you were sleeping. So we just let you sleep. And I looked at my mom and I said, don't ever do that again. She is the only reason this is worth getting better. So that's, you know, and my daughter was my driving force. I had to put any weight on my daughter's shoulders. I mean, she was six months old, but having her, roll a ball back and forth to me was just the whole reason I was like, all right, I got to keep going. And not a lot of dads out there can say this, but I actually learned how to walk when my daughter was learning how to walk. So we learned how to walk together. And I have great footage of her holding my hand because they make like short legs and tall legs. Right. Yeah. And the short legs don't have knees that bend. You're very stable. Um, so I, when you walk around the gym, it's what ones I work out in now with, but I was able to hold her hand and like walk around the, the military advanced training center, the mat the gym, right? Everything has an acronym in the military, but it's really just the gym. But she was holding my hand and learning how to walk while I was like walking her around and learning how to walk as well. So there's been great memories that come from this. And if you look hard enough, you'll find the good in anything. Um, so, you know, it's just, I, I've been very fortunate to be blessed with supportive family, not just mine, like my parents, my sister and brother and stuff like that, but my wife and her family as well. Dude, that's awesome, man. And that's such a powerful statement. If you look hard enough, you can find the good in anything. I mean, people need to understand that. You know, you're uh, you're such a shining example of that. So, all right, hang on one second. You know, we we got we got to pay the bills, the Overcome and Conquer show. We got to take care of our producer and everybody out there. So 
We're going to take a quick break. We want to give a shout out to the mid-roll sponsor, Icon Meals. And we also want to recognize our presenting sponsor, of course, The Project. So we're going to take that break real quick. Stand by. Hey guys, this is Ray from the Overcome and Conquer Show. And we are proud to announce that Icon Meals is our mid-roll sponsor. Icon is an industry leader in cryovac meal technology. What does that mean, guys? You are going to get the freshest meals delivered to you next day service. Another key factor of why I love Icon Meals is they have two menus, guys. They have the signature menu and the custom meal. So if you're like me and you need more protein or less carbs and you're on the go and fitness is your life, you can make a customizable meal. And or if you're just looking for the standard healthy meal choice, you can. So everything is organized for you. So ladies and gentlemen, Icon Meals has taken all the work out of it. All you have to do is put in what you want and they will provide what you need. And it doesn't end there. They also offer popcorn, seasonings, coffee, cookies, crisp bread, and gift cards. So guys, check them out at www.iconmeals.com. All right, and welcome back to the show. Uh, big shout out once again to all our sponsors who help make this happen, allow us to have amazing guests like Travis on the show. So brother, I, I, I know like Ray's speechless and, and Ray sometimes feels like, and dude, I'm going to speak on behalf of you for a minute. I think Ray sometimes feels like, and Ray has seen his share of combat, but Ray sometimes feels like, so I haven't, I haven't suffered these injuries. So sometimes I can't, I can't speak to this, but Hey man, everybody in life has been through crisis, man. Ray, you have too, man. You grew up in a hard environment. So all of us have been through adversity uh, levels of adversity vary from person to person, but at the end of the day, we all live in our own personal hell. And obviously, Travis, you have walked in the pits of hell, but uh, you tell that story, man, in your, uh, in your book that's out there. Tell, tell us about that journey, mm-hmm. writing that book, and went on to become a New York Times bestselling book. I mean, it has done a lot of great things for you. Uh, Tell us about that journey and what that book meant to you. Maybe was there healing in writing that book? Well, you know, um, there's definitely healing in writing the book and getting it all out there on paper. But for me, like when you say like Ray hasn't suffered those kind of injuries, I I think it's important every time I talk to everybody, know, look, I don't put my problems on any pedestal. I don't think I have it worse than anybody else. We all have something we've been through, whether it's a family member with cancer, a horrible car accident that, you know, ruined someone's life or maybe took them from you early. And we all have stuff we go with. I just, you know, right, my, my injuries that I had sustained are visible. So that's the only difference, right? But um, the book, the book's helped out. I think that's therapeutic for me to be able to go on stage and give my presentation because I like to tell jokes. It, it helps me to be able to tell my story. And I understood early on in my recovery that people are going to stare at me, right? And I'm, I'm sure you, you get looks sometimes. Um, and people are going to stare. And I, I'm not going to take offense to that. I have learned, like, look, you can't take offense to them staring because think about before I was injured, I probably would do the same thing, right? I didn't mean to stare, but I'd look, you know, I'd look away quick um, to not be caught staring because it was rude, I figured. And this helps break down the barriers of like, you know, what happened to us isn't something that you need to shy away from talking to us about because I have people after I talk like, hey, if I see someone like you, like, what do I say to them? I'm like, usually hi or hello, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't have to bridge that gap. And, um, and it's not, it's not always been like that for me. My first couple of days being injured out of the hospital when I was like in my wheelchair going to meetings, I had this little girl staring at me drinking a Subway cup of pop and I saw like the soda coming through the straw and it was brown, right? Or maybe it was clear, whatever. And her mom looked at me because she saw people like me all the time and looked at the little girl and like just went, hmm, whatever. And I didn't like that. So I leaned in and said, do you know who did this to me? 
I said, the boogeyman, the clouds, and the monster under your bed. And they're coming for you next. <laughs> and she cried. And, like, I hope I hate telling that story. Like, I feel like a dick, but sh- at the time, should. like, at, well, but at least I got the story. And she, like, she, this girl's, like, seven. She started crying. And I just, like, wheeled off, like, they had two shoes for staring at me. And then um, shortly awesome. after that, I realized, like, yeah, I know, I feel real bad about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I smile when I say it. But I don't do that no more, right? When kids look at me, they're like, what happened to that man's arm? And their mom's like, don't look. And I'm like, no, no, hey, how's it going? I had a bad day. You know, work. Your mom, dad can explain it, but it's okay. And I would tell them I'm a robot or an Iron Man. Yeah. Um, you know, then I go from that scary factor, like, look at that guy with crazy arms and legs. So <gasps> he works Iron Man. I tell my right arm's not wear a prosthetic on it that I, I work with uh, Iron Man and this one's full of missiles. Um, so I can't wear it in public. And I also tell him I'm more like Big Hero Six because he's kind of a fat superhero. But <laughs> like, what? so <laughs> not fat, fluffy. You know, Tyler Southern was in the hospital at the same time as you. Tyler's a good friend of mine. And he used to always tell my kids, this is what happens when you don't eat your vegetables. My arms are off. Yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, he's doing well. You know, um, I know I'm jumping around here, my foundation, uh, we bring up, uh, veterans that have been through a physical injury, paralyzation, amputation, spinal cord injury, something that's limited them physically. And it's been going so well for us. Uh, we've grown to be one of the top really in the nation which is great but tyler finally this year if this covid stuff gets lifted uh everything him and his him and his wife are coming up finally because their kids are old enough where he feels comfortable traveling with them and i'm just so excited to see that man he taught me a lot of stuff let me tell you something about tyler southern if, 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 i'm not sure he's been on your show to be honest I feel like he, he hasn't yet that. we'd love to have him on we just haven't done it yet you know i love him and ashley i mean they're amazing yeah well he um so i had um a bone going in my right arm and it's HO. You ever heard of HO? There's a huge name I, for it. I had it terrible. I, I, I literally had a piece of bone grow out. They told me that this could not happen, that, that uh, you couldn't have bone grow out of the skin. I literally had like a horn of bone growing out of the side of my elbow. Exactly. And you could, yeah. See, so like you can explain what HO is. I don't know the full name of it. They always call it HO, but it's called a heterotopic ossification. So that's where the, the next term. time. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So where are the next time? But, um, on my right bicep area, I had that going on so bad that every time I pushed down in my, my socket, my prosthetic, it would be painful and I'd be bruised up and bleeding. And they wanted to cut it open and they wanted to give me surgery. And I'm like, nope, that puts me back on my, my results of getting better. Not going to happen. Tyler told me, hey, man, hit that on a counter. I bet it chips the bone. It'll round out. I said, like, you serious? He goes, yeah, probably. So for an hour, 45 minutes to an hour straight, I went to my apartment. And I beat my arm on a counter until the pain was like so numb and it went away. And look, doesn't even hurt anymore. All because wow. Tyler Southern. I had a neuroma on the bottom of my right leg. Same thing. He goes, oh, hit that on the counter too. I bet it'll kill the neuroma. Because they like a bundle of nerves that hurt. They want to like take us like a, basically a hot needle and burn them all. But that would put me on my legs for like two weeks. I was like, I'm not doing that. So I went to my same counter and I hit it on the counter repeatedly harder and harder every time mm. until, until it got so numb. The pain went up. It makes me sound crazy. I know that. <laughs> But you know, just but Tyler's you, great guy. What a motivator! Yeah, oh my <laughs> god, he's so awesome. Yeah, and that's so Tyler. Let me let me just beat on this and see if it works. Yeah, he's a marine. That's what they do, right? I know, I know. I love him, man. There, he is. I tell you what, that guy motivates the hell out of me. So Travis, let's talk about this foundation. You know, the, the Travis Mills Foundation. Uh, what led you to start it up? And tell us and tell everybody. Uh, what it does, and you know how how people can contribute. Absolutely, I appreciate the platform here. Of course, um, so how it started was my wife said, "If we have a boy, we're not going to name it after 
the, the name the, the boy after me. So I'm like, well, I don't sound right. So I started a foundation to name something after me. Um, <laughs> but, wow. No, I know. I swear, you know, we're, we're, first she first she wants the handicap placard. Then she won't let you name your kids. I mean, come I on. I know. I know. My, my speaking company and everything's named after me. So she's like, you're conceited enough. But anyways, <laughs> um, so we have the, uh, the Terms Mills Foundation. We started it to give care packages. And then I realized after going to these cool trips with Walter Reed, like learn how to downhill mountain bike. I learned how to snowboard, how to mono ski, how to kayak and canoe. And it was all based around like things I could still do actively with my family. And we decided, let's bring some families to Maine. We'll rent a camp out, see how it goes. It went so well that we bought a facility. We did two years of renovations with two and a half million dollars um, of renovations. And we opened in 17 officially. And we bring up eight families per week. Last year was 22 weeks out of the year that we ran. and we show them how to do things adaptively and we keep growing and expanding, which is awesome. And we have a new program for post-traumatic growth, which is out of Boulder Crest of Virginia there. They have a war, it's called warrior path with two H's P A T H H. They had a big grant come in. They could open 10 more facilities or partner with we're becoming a partner there. So not only do we help with the physical injuries, but now we help with the non-physical injuries and it's 18 month course that I really am excited about because I, I didn't go to any, you know, counseling, uh, I'll be honest with you guys, you know, the military, it's like unspoken. You don't talk to mental health. So every time mental health came in, the first time I was sleeping, my wife told me they came in. I told her to tell them not to come back. The second time they came in, I pretend like I was sleeping. And the third time I was eating a bowl of cereal with a makeshift arm in my hospital bed. And they walked in the door and I looked over. I knew who it was. I said, oh, shit. And I threw myself, <laughs> I threw myself back like I was sleeping again and started fake snoring. And then she's like, what are you doing? And I gave her my name, rank and social. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I gave it to her again and she was, I don't understand. So that's what you tell the enemy. So take and leave or just leave. I'm not talking to you now. Wow. Good, bad or indifferent. That's how I handled it. And I didn't talk to anybody still haven't except for my crowds and everything like that. But I know that people do need that help out there. So we're becoming a place that people can get that help. And I'm, I'm very excited, but to get back to it, we've helped. Um, uh, we had 89 families the first year, 130 families second year, and over 200 families last year. Wow. And it's no cost to the family. It's all donation-based. And TravisMillsFoundation.org is where you can find all the information out. And I do appreciate it. Let me have the platform and tell people about it because our whole big goal is to let them know to never give, uh, never give up, never quit, which is a slogan mm-hmm. that I, I live by, and to never live life on the sidelines. Always be active in society and your family. And the lives that we're able to change, we have spouses that say they haven't seen their loved one, their military member, like service member, act like this since before their deployment. Or kids are leaving crying, saying it's better than Disney World. And it's it's a really, really cool thing that we've uh, been able to do. It's a pretty niche market, if you will. And I know we're doing it the right way. As a president, I don't take a dime. None of my board gets paid. It's all about giving back and doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. That is amazing. Wow. That it's amazing, yeah. Travis. Man, I we I know I can speak for myself and the vets. I know we appreciate what you're doing. Listen, sir, we're getting ready to wrap it up. I always like to end it with a question. So here's a question I have, and I think people are really going to be listening. But if you had three pieces of advice that you would give and everything that you've learned to date, what would it be? Absolutely. So um, it's a great question. I thank you for the question. And I think the first thing that I would tell people is uh, one of my life lessons I like to tell everybody is don't dwell in the past, just reminisce it. And people get lost on that, I think, because really, I used to sit in my hospital bed, like I said, I used to hope, wish, and pray this never happened and ask how I go back in time. Yeah. But no matter how many times I close my eyes, 
and did you know like go back in time i always opened them up and there i was in the same you know situation i found myself in before i cl- closed my eyes so what i'm saying yeah. is instead of say like oh i got blown up it's too bad i say i had 25 great years with arms and legs and i've had eight years just about that have been phenomenal without just one bad day at work and the next thing i like to tell people is you know what I didn't really pause. Sorry. I had my <laughs> nose edition. Let me tell you something. My COVID-19 like beard I'm growing and stuff is longer than it normally is and itches like hell. So I'm sorry about that. But, awesome. but the one the other life lesson I tell people every time I talk is you can't always control your situation, but you can always control your attitude. And I like I like what that. I mean by that is, you know what? My situation, every day I wake up, I have no arms and legs, but I jump in my wheelchair. I grab my arm off the charger. I go down and have my coffee. My wife, my daughter, and my son come downstairs eventually, and we have breakfast, and then we go about our day. So just don't let your situation dictate your attitude. I'm a very upbeat and positive person. It's not a facade. I've just found a way to deal with everything and say, hey, look, I'm still around. Let's keep pushing forward. And um, really the last thing is something I'm passionate about is, you know what? I don't really put on any pedestal. I didn't serve any more than anybody else. I didn't fight any harder. I did nothing more brave or heroic. So if you did serve, thank you for your service. If you're a Vietnam era veteran, welcome home. And thank you. You never got that, but you deserved it. You made sure my generation did get it. And we're doing more at my foundation to honor your sacrifice and what you went through because two things, one, Jane Fonda sucks. And two, Carol Baskin, (laughs) it's her fault. Every time. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> and we're sued. <laughs> and we come full circle. So. I love it. I love it. Dude, awesome advice, man. Thank you for coming on the show and being a guest, brother. We we loved having you, man. I love your sense of humor. I love seeing, uh, you know, I've watched several of your online uh, speeches. As a matter of fact, that is something you're doing. So real quickly, let's talk about where people can find you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if we wanted to hire Travis Mills to come in and motivate their company, where do they go? travismills.org is where I would go if I was you for all your Travis Mills needs. <laughs> well it. played. And if they wanted to follow you on social media, where would they go? At SSG Travis Mills for both Instagram and Facebook. And if you do Twitter, so do I. Occasionally. I there he is. <laughs> there he well is. Played. Boom. And then, uh, of course, guys, I'm going to hammer it one more time. As a, as a veteran, as a, as a, um, a recalibrated, I love that even better, a recalibrated warrior myself, man. There's so many amazing individuals out there that can use help that are struggling in the veteran space. And the Travis Mills Foundation is doing absolutely amazing things. So, brother, thank you for, yeah. for setting the example and leading the way. Uh, TravisMillsFoundation.org, is that correct? That's my foundation. Yep. You can find it at travismills.org as well. There's, it's all tied together. So I do appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Yeah. yeah. Love it, man. So you two, we're going to, we're going to wrap up and Travis, the way we wrap up the show is we do, we do what has become the four minutes of motivation. It, it grew from the two minutes because we never stayed under two minutes, but basically we take the word of the day yeah. and each one of us gets, you know, 30 seconds or so to just shotgun our thoughts on it at the end of the show. We always allow our guest of honor to go first. So go ahead and tell us, wrap things up with stubborn. How has stubborn defined you and why do people need to live their life this way? Well, absolutely. I think that, um, if you change what you're doing because of what people think about you, 
um, that can be good and bad. For me, I had to be stubborn because people were doubting I was going to be successful, doubting I was going to have a quality of life that I have now. And I just wasn't going to let my situation that I found myself in with Norm's legs dictate anything I was going to do. So I just gripped my teeth and bared it. I went ahead and went forward with everything. And when they told me I couldn't do something, I made sure that I proved them wrong. And I was just as stubborn as I could be about it because I had to live my life and we all are all about living our best life. So mm. that's basically my 30 minute or 30 second wrap up on stubborn. You big bunch of good looking winners. Yeah, mm. baby. All right. All right. I'll finish up. Listen, I love what uh, Travis just did. He re, uh, he re-engineered, reverse engineered the word of stubborn. And he used it from a negative to a positive. He didn't change who he was because of the situation that was was literally thrown at him, nor should you. And you know what? The home, the take home that I got from this is I'm going to reverse engineer it too. I'm going to become more stubborn, not change who I am, not let people, places, things, or anything in this world dictate who I am or how I'm going. Yeah, baby. All right. I love it. And I'm going to keep this super short, which I know that you guys are like, is that possible? I'm wondering that too. Yeah. So here's the deal, man. You have to be stubborn with everything in life. When people tell you you can't do something, you need to be stubborn. If you are stubborn, you will overcome and conquer any adversity you come up against. That has been another episode of the Overcome and Conquer Show. I am Jason Overcome Redmond. And I'm Ray Cash Care. And we are out. Boom. Thanks for listening to the Overcome and Conquer Show. Tune in next time. And please remember to subscribe on iTunes. Please visit overcomeandconquer.com. The Overcome and Conquer Show is presented by The Project. The Project is a full immersion, 75-hour experience designed for men who know in their core they are not living up to their fullest potential. Rather than waking up every morning ready to dominate life, the mediocre man rolls out of bed and slides into the same unfulfilling routine they've unhappily been in for way too long. The Project is for men that have lost their eternal flame and motivation to conquer It is for men living an unfulfilling life that lacks the excitement and purpose. If this resonates with you and you want to learn more, we encourage you to apply today at www.mdkproject.com forward slash OC show. Boom.